Cura, this program is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Wellington Access Radio, make your voice heard. Kiora Wellington. This is Wellington Access Radio 106.1 FM. You're listening to B-Side Stories, stories of the people who make Wellington tick. I'm one of your hosts today. I'm Laura. Hi, everybody. I'm your other host. I'm Ruth. Hi, Ruth. Nice to see you in the studio again. We have a wonderful interview today. So, 10 years ago, I went on a journey with my mum. It was one only she could complete. It was a journey I know many of you listening have experienced, that of a loved one walking the path of illness and death. Now, it can be a frightening, painful, distressing or lonely experience, not just for those who are ill, but also for the families. My guest today leads a group of people providing a very special service that brings comfort to those approaching the end of life and to their families. Carol Shortis is the musical director of the Fakahuru Singers. They sing at the bedsides of those approaching death and they use the gift of song to deliver moments of peace, comfort and support. Welcome Carol. Oh, tēnā korua. Thank you for having me here today. So, Carol, what does whakāhuru mean? Well, it's quite a mouthful, that word, isn't it? Whakāhuru means to warm, to nestle, or to cherish. Like lots of words in te reo Māori, it's got plenty of different meanings. We chose it because the kind of singing, the kind of service that we offer, is it really describes um, the, the sort of service that we're offering, that we're warming, we're cherishing people through song. So can you tell us a bit about, a little more about who and and what Whakahuru is? Uh, So we're a group of singers. Um, I hesitate to use the word choir because we don't usually all sing together very often. Although there's nearly 20 of us, um, we mostly sing in very small groups of maybe four or six people, sometimes as much as eight if we're singing in, in a more public space. But generally small groups um, and uh, we sing, we've been brought together specially to sing at the bedside of palliative care patients. And so we get together about once a week and we rehearse together in a larger group, but we do a lot of practising singing in small groups and that's where we do our work. What kind of rehearsing do you do? Is it different to a normal choir rehearsing? I suppose there are two sides of it from a musical point of view. Um, First of all, we've got learning the songs, and uh, that's done in a very um, typical choir fashion. You might say that there might be different voice parts and people need to learn um, their tune within the the song. Um, But then the other side, the other side of our musical rehearsal is that we'll split into small groups of three or four people and work on, on singing in those small groups, and we always mix the people up together, um, so th- you know, we're trying trying different voices together yes. because you never know who you're going to be singing next to. And I imagine it's a very different kind of singing, just belting it out uh, at some kind of uh, performance. <laughs> that that's very true. I mean, th- this isn't a performance; it's not entertainment music. We can uh, talk a bit later on mm. about about the start of the music, but. Um, so not only are we working on the songs themselves, but we're also um, looking at the style of singing, very gentle, very soft, um, very soothing, 
and that requires a different kind of vocal production um, to to create that sound. I'm sure it does. And where do you sing? Well, uh, our rehearsals are in Thorndon, but I don't think that's quite what you're asking. <laughs> um, so we uh, we sing wherever people are dying. It might be in a rest home. It could be in a hospice or in people's homes. We get called, uh, we get request sings, requests to sing in various places. Uh, we also have kind of regular sing-outs, sort of gigs, you might say, once a month in various places. We've got um, arrangements with different rest homes and hospices where we uh, we go on a regular basis to go and sing there for their, um, for their residents. So tell us the story about how this began. Well, Fakaharu have been going for about four years now. Um, 2014, uh, just at the beginning of that year, um, I had heard about groups like this singing um, mainly in the United States. I'd come across a couple of people who were singing in these sorts of choirs and found it very interesting. So it was, my interest was piqued, I suppose. And then I um, had a, a very fortuitous encounter with a lady who was directing one of these choirs in the United States. Um, a, lot, a lot of them are called threshold choirs, which is kind of a network of, of, of choirs that all sing the same repertoire. They share lots of their um, techniques and repertoire together. And Linda was visiting on holiday from the United States and um, I was introduced to her. And when she found out that I was interested in starting a group like that here, she organised, um, like, I think we had about 48 hours notice, that she came to my house and she, uh, we got a group of singers together and she just taught us some of their songs and, and sort of walked through the process of what they do and really fired us up. And after that... We'll, a committee was formed and off we went. Um, yeah. So what appealed to you about the whole idea of this? Oh, when I first heard um, about this kind of practice, a, a little shiver went down my spine. I just thought, that's what I want to do. I've been involved in directing community choirs and singing groups for probably about the last decade and it's something that I'm really passionate about. Um, I love to sing, I love to teach people singing and to um, be involved in, in all sorts of community singing projects. This one was just a little bit different. It had that that idea of intimacy and connection. It was an opportunity to really connect with um, a different um, group within our community um, I didn't usually um, come across and to apply this beautiful um, process of singing in a completely different way. Mm. Mm. Are there any other groups doing this in New Zealand? There weren't at the time that we started, um, but independently from us, and we found about, out about them, them later, um, there are two more groups now. One of them's in Christchurch. They're called Reflections. And the other group are up in Auckland called Cadence Singers. And they're both um, officially affiliated with the Threshold Choir Movement in the United States, whereas Fakaharua, uh, technically, we're just an independent it's a bit of a, an, an inquire thing probably. It's not, not visible from the outside. People wouldn't be aware. But we certainly get along with Cadence and with mm. Reflections and, and um, yeah, meet up with them and so on. 
I'd love to hear about a bedside sing. Can you describe one for us? Hmm, how long have you got? <laughs> well, um, the first thing that, um, that I would say about a bedside sing is that every single one is different. Because we're singing for an individual patient, for one person, then, and everybody is individual, each person is individual, therefore the sing itself is going to turn out to be individual. But there are some uh, common, uh, commonalities, I suppose, some common factors. One of them is that there is a patient. They're usually in bed, although sometimes they might be sitting up in a chair or in a lazy boy or something like that. And there's a group of singers who will come to visit them, um, normally four, sometimes three, maybe five, but yeah, four seems to be a good number. If we're in somebody's um, bedroom or their space within a rest home, which is where we most commonly sing, there's not a lot of space. And so for us, we have to be careful to um, make ourselves as small as we can in that space, to not overwhelm or crowd the space. Some things are quite social, where the person is more um, interacting with us There'll be a little introduction, some chats, some talks that will explain what we're doing. Um, other times the person might be in bed. They could be asleep. They could be unconscious um, or semi-conscious uh, or quite quiet. They might be agitated. So we're never really sure exactly what we're going to walk into a situation, even though we've done lots of planning before. We have a saying, which is have a plan and then be prepared to abandon the plan and have a plan B and a plan C and then improvise. And it usually works one way or another. And so what sort of music do you use for these? We've brought together over the last four years a really um, eclectic mix of repertoire of our songs. A lot of us come from the community music um, kind of um, background and uh, we sing a lot of world music songs. They're easy songs to learn. Um, they're usually in foreign language, which is has a benefit because the person who's listening to them probably doesn't know the song and that can be a relief because there are no memories associated with the song and they can just relax back and enjoy the sound of the song without pinning particular um, meaning to the words. We'll usually explain what the song's about, you know, whether it's a lullaby or a love song or something like that, um, but not give them a full translation. Uh, so we have our world music songs. Um, we sing quite a lot of New Zealand songs. Uh, Waiata are really popular, um, well-known and, and lesser-known. Um, we sing some songs that have really have been specially written for this context. Those mostly come from the United States, but we also sing some songs that have been specially written for our group. Mm. Now we're very lucky, everybody, because Carol's brought along a wee sample of some songs for us to have a listen to. There's four of them, Carol, that you've brought along. Can you tell us a bit about those? Yeah, sure. So. Um, <clears throat> 
I was talking about the foreign language songs, and um, the first one that you'll hear is called Ashray, which is a Hebrew chant. It's a very simple little song uh, just designed to lull, to um, quietly support somebody as they're they're listening to it. It was written by Rabbi Schaefer Gold, um, and it simply means um, uh, happy are those who dwell in your house and they keep on praising. The uh, second song that you'll hear kind of flips to a different part of the world. Eishilimokri is a uh, chant again, but this time in the Scots Gaelic language. And this just simply means, listen to my heart, listen to your heart. And it's a very beautiful, um, simple chant again. Uh, Both of these songs are really designed, you'll only hear a little bit of them, but they're designed to be sung over and over again and um, I've often experienced people falling asleep as as we've sung these songs and if I see somebody kind of if I hear somebody snoring, I think, yeah, that's job done. Well, that's, yeah, you know, I was I'm really going happy to, about that. Yeah, I was going to <laughs> ask you, uh, just before you tell us about mm. the other two, I really wanted to ask you, what sort of response do you get? <laughs> I know there's a great mm-hmm. difference because some people are quite alert and others are unconscious, but what, what kind of response do you see and feel that you get from the people listening and their families? Yeah, we're very tuned in to response. It's uh, what you might call it reading the room. Um, I'll talk a little bit more about that later on. There's one one person in particular in each group whose job it is to, to pay special attention to response, re- the responses of the people who are listening to us and and then we need to respond to that as well. So there's a conversation going on without words in in a lot of cases. Uh, responses of people, well, um, some people uh, might get, uh, if, if somebody is not um, responsive at all when we go in, they might appear to be asleep, but sometimes they, they might rouse or um, sometimes you'll see people's a foot tapping, um, I've on a number of occasions been conducted by somebody laying in bed, which is a very beautiful thing, especially if their eyes are closed. Um, and and to actually respond to that and to slow down or speed up, depending on how they're conducting, is a magical thing to do. Um, um, responses. It's not unknown for people to become upset or agitated um, if we're singing and we have to be really alert to that and respond accordingly. And there are times when when we'll um, gently, usually singing, leave the room, bow out. Um, Other times people are a lot more um, engaged with us and, and, and they do really welcome us as visitors and there'll be conversations afterwards. People might say that was beautiful or... They'll ask us what the song meant, something like that. So Great. So tell us about the other two songs. Okay. Um, so the third song that you'll hear is in English, Ocean Breath Breathing Me. And this is a song that was taught to us by Linda when she first came in 2014. And it's a, <clears throat> a real um, threshold choir classical song. It was written in the United States. And um, it's it's also a very simple song and just designed to, to lull people, uh, to comfort them. And, yeah, a gentle song, but in English. Hmm. The last song that um, that you'll hear is a song from Australia. It's in an Aboriginal language, and um, we learnt that from Brett and Patricia Clark. So, great traditional song, and that's a lullaby. The last song.
Well, I can't wait to hear them. Let's have a listen to those now. All right. Oh, that was just beautiful. I was just about 
falling asleep there, chilling out in the studio myself. So how do your singers prepare for this work and deal with the emotional impact? It can't be that easy singing sure. you know, in that environment. Sure. So um, there's, there's individual preparation and there's group preparation. And in terms of the group preparation, I mean, I've talked a little bit about our practices and we certainly do a lot of singing at our practices, but we also spend quite a bit of time talking um, we, we've got a word that we use, which is resilience. We talk about resilience and um, and how we can prepare ourselves, what to expect when uh, you're going into the presence of somebody who's dying, which, as I've explained, it's hard to know what to expect because everybody's individual, everything's different. But um, a lot of people don't have a lot of experience of being around those who are nearing the end of life, and it's important to try and... Um, you know, build on the experiences of those who have been there. And so we share stories. We um, talk about emotions and about grief. Uh, we talk about uh, the medical side of of what to expect. It's, it's quite a noisy environment sometimes, um, which was a surprise to me. There's beeps and buzzes and bells and whistles going off all over the place and not to mention switching off the radio or the television that might be blaring away. Um, so it's we're not we're not singing in a chapel. We're not singing in some some refined environment. It's in close to somebody's bedside, um, and and it's a really emotionally charged place to be in too. And so um, as a group, we do a lot of preparation in terms of planning and and getting people ready for it. But also as we get nearer to the event, we'll have what we call a pause where as a group we'll come together and just spend 30 seconds or a minute centering ourselves, grounding ourselves. Somebody might talk us through a little guided meditation or read a poem or something like that just to kind of settle us and get us all together. We'll have a little warm-up together vocally. So we've got musical preparation, but we've also got emotional preparation as a group. And then as individuals, we're going through those processes too and just keeping ourselves calm. It's uh, There's a whole wealth of, um, of stuff around this, but, for instance, it, it, there's things like whose grief is it? You know, if you're witnessing somebody who's crying... You can stay, uh, uh, um, what's the word I want to use? You can, you can be sympathetic to that without getting drawn into it. It's really hard to sing when you're crying, mm -hmm. so you kind of, you've got to strike a balance. You, you can't be smiling your face um, up when yes. somebody's crying, but at the same time... I imagine time, you've got a job to do and you have to exactly. focus, can, can stay I, grounded. Can I chime in with a question? Sure. Th this is Laura jumping in. Um, do you... Do you find you gain any insight or wisdom from being around people who are in the, the very last stages of their lives? Yes, I do. But I couldn't actually just tell you the answer yeah. to that in two <laughs> seconds. But, yeah, I guess that's one of the the hidden um, gems in in all of this work. I mean, I'm, we, we don't get paid for going to sing at the bedside. This is completely voluntary Work. The singers put in a lot of time, a lot of commitment, um, constantly um, working to get themselves up to speed to be able to do this as well as they can. 
there are rewards and and that's one of them I guess is just that it's a great privilege to be in the presence of somebody who is dying it's a great privilege to be invited into that situation when families are you know need that time together and it's important that we are there to provide to gift to provide a service but always in every transaction there's reciprocity right well you get something back you get something back and what we get back is is that wisdom of of being in that situation and yeah so personal growth for sure yeah mm. now there's a vast difference between entertainment singing and this kind of service so what understanding do you want the public and the care providers to have of fakahuru well I think we touched on it already, and and as you say, it's it's not entertainment. It's uh, what we're the kind of singing that that we do is there to offer comfort and relaxation to patients. It's it's not stimulating. It's uh, it's not our intention to um, arouse people to awake them to stop them from dying. Actually, uh, that's it. That's not our business. Um, uh, it's more to um, to relax people, but also to open things up for people. Maybe to make these transitions transitions just a little easier for them, um, to smooth the way, not to stop people walking along that path. So um, we're not entertainers. We're not singing, dancing, visitors. Has that been a misconception that? Some people have had, or places sometimes have of you. I I don't I wouldn't go that far, but I can I I do discern that it's it's possible that if people misunderstand what we do, that that's they think we just go to rest homes and sing for people, and it's, there's a lot more to it than that. And and the reason for doing it um, is is not to stimulate or to entertain, but. Um, and, and we fall into these patterns really easily. This is our comfort zone. We as singers do it too, um, that um, we feel comfortable standing there as performers, performing to an audience, and, and shaking that up, breaking that up is, is quite a complex thing to do, and we have to be gentle with it too. So Now you've told me that you would love some more singers. So what skills and qualities do people need to have if they would like to be a part of Fakahuru? Oh, thank you, Ruth. Um, I guess um, what's probably top of the list is commitment and the ability to... Um, just You've got time in your day to be able to come to rehearsals. We, we really require that people come to rehearsals every, every Tuesday morning. And we practice during the day because that's when we're singing most of the time is during the day. Right. So what sort of time commitment would people need to have? Well, in terms of being there, um, at least... They're two hours um, on a Tuesday morning and then there might be another sing during the week as well that some of our singers would, would go to. I can't do the maths, but maybe people might get called on to sing once a month. Um, and then... Um, so there is that, that time commitment, but also when you're a new singer in the choir, you've got lots of repertoire to learn and lots of reading to do. And um, so there's probably more at the front end in terms of, of time commitment. But also the emotional commitment, the, the um, uh, 
ability to sort of uh, start on a journey and be prepared to run with it for a while to see to see where it's going to go. Um, How about the singing skills? Yes, well, there is the singing to it as well. We need people to be able to sing in tune, uh, people who can hold a part while somebody next to them is is singing in harmony. And look, I mean, I come from a community music background. I teach community choirs where there's this really strong ethic that anybody can sing and everybody should be given the opportunity and enabled to sing. So uh, you you have heard that we are not opera singers. We're not classically trained. Um, but nevertheless, a certain standard is required and people can self-select. We don't audition people. We do interview them because we need to know that they've got the right motivation, that they're emotionally robust enough to um, go through this process um, with us. Uh, some people might look uh, at joining Fakaharu singers as a, a way of working through their own grief process for, for whatever reason. And we have to be really clear that we're not a bereavement support group. Um, we're, a, we're a group of people who we have feelings. We've all been bereaved at some stage and we do support each other. Um, so I don't mean to suggest that we're heartless, but but. Our focus is very much outward as as the service that we're providing and and that's where we're working all the time. And so, yes, we're looking for people who are prepared to be in the presence of, of others who are dying and are not kind of put off by that idea. Mm. Right. Um, and... Men, women, do you need... Oh, yes. <laughs> Usually yes. singing groups need men, more women. men. Mm. Um. We'd love anybody who'd like to come and sing for us. We have, uh, I don't think you heard any of our guys singing on those tracks, actually, but we do have men who are singing with us now. We have two guys that sing with us, and we would love some more. I know they would love some more buddies to sing with us. come on, men. Yes, yeah, it'd be great. So how does someone get involved, and what can they expect to happen to be able to be involved? You mentioned an interview. Can First of all, sure. how, how does someone get involved? Well, I'd say it's probably the best way to start is to have a look online at our website, um, fakaharu.org.nz. I'm sure you'll put a link up on Facebook and, and, I will. and your website and that sort of thing. Because um, it's a difficult word to spell when you're not used to it. Um, uh, so have a look on the website. There is a dedicated page there which is called Sing With Us and we'll get a lot more information about... Um, about Fakaharu and uh, and about the process. But essentially, if having read that, you're still interested, then contact us through the website and um, we'll go from there and we'll meet up, have a coffee, have a talk about, um, you know, whether you, um, what you've got to offer us and what we've got to offer you. And then it's a case of coming to practices mm. and starting to integrate yourself into the group. And that takes time, you know, and, and, and everybody's got to, to work through that process. Yes, of, of I trust. imagine you have to develop a really great group connectedness to be able to sing like that in such small groups. We do, and it comes with time, and integrating new people into the greater whole takes time as well. So there's all sorts of things that are growing at the same time, and some of it is really well-planned and organised, and some of it is just people having the heart in the right place, and and, and, um, and it evolves and, and develops. So for anyone listening out there who, who may have an ill loved one, how do they access your service? How can they get someone, a group, to come and do a bedside sing? Oh, pretty much the same process. Have a look on the website. There's another tab there um, 
which is request to sing. Uh, so I have mentioned before that we've got regular places that we sing at in Wellington, um, two among a hospice. We sing at Sprott House Rest Home, Churton Lee. Um, mm, I'm trying to think which other places. There's a, f- a few other places that we sing as well. Uh, Millvale Rest Home over in... Um, um, where is that? Yeah, Miramar. that's it. Thank you. I didn't know that. Yes, Miramar. <laughs> um, so um, if you have uh, a loved one there who's a resident, they may have already heard us singing in the lounge. We tend to sing in rest homes for people who are, are rather isolated in their bedrooms. So you might have somebody there. I guess if they're in a rest home or institution, the best thing is to talk to the staff about us and um, get them to um, book us, request to sing. Um, Otherwise, check out the website, contact us through the website and and request to sing. We can sing in people's homes by arrangement. The first question that's going to be asked if anybody requests to sing is, does the patient want this? Because... We're not we're not kind of like a surprise party that surprise we come to sing for you one two three four you know it doesn't work like that the patient needs to know um, that people are coming to visit to sing and we need to know that they want us there great well Carol it just sounds amazing and good luck for for the future of Fakahuru and I hope you get some of those men that you that you need. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you, Ruth. It's been a great pleasure being here. And thank you to Laura as well. Thank you for coming on. Thanks. Try.